Good morning. Good morning and welcome to Wow, this is an awesome crowd. You always worry about the holiday weekends. And, uh, but man, it's great to see everybody today. And uh, thank you, Gracie, so much for sharing about Celebrate Recovery. Um, I'm excited about this in a lot of ways. And also, I want to let you know that next week we're going to begin a series called The Road to Recovery. We're going to talk about this because every one of us uh, are on a journey. Uh, we know all about that. Uh, but the, what that journey uh, for many of us, for all of us, in fact, leads uh, to, uh, needs to lead to Jesus, but also there may be some other things in our life that we need to, to deal with. So we're going to be talking about that for a few weeks. So uh, that starts up next week. But today, we're going to wrap up this series that we've been in for a couple of weeks here uh, that we've called Timeless. And we just said uh, in introducing it that there are some things in life that are not restricted to a specific period of time. These things are always in fashion. They're, they're lasting forever. And we call these things timeless as opposed to trends that we have in our world today. And we know there are always trends that, that our, our, our world kind of moves through. And some things that really seem like they're the very thing, they'll last forever, but they pass away. And so uh, one of those things I want to share, I've tried to bring a couple things in in this series to kind of remind us of the past. And one of those things, I brought my phone with me today. Um, it's a uh, modern work of art here, phone. This, uh, this was the first flip phone, I believe. A little bit different than today's flip phones. Even, even flip phones are out. But this one here, uh, this is the first phone I remember um, that, that really was very common, that you, it was very mobile. You didn't have a bag to carry around with you. Some of you remember having one of these, a little bit chunky, a little bit like a brick in your pocket. You know, you had um, back problems from uh, how you sat when you carried one of these in your back pocket as opposed to today. Uh, but here's the, here's the thing with this phone. It was really in, really trendy in the day. But you know what? It can only do one thing, talk. What value is a phone that you can only talk on, right? I mean, seriously, you can't. There's no apps on this phone. You couldn't text on this phone. You couldn't have your calendar or, you know, you couldn't have your calculator or email or anything on a phone like that. What value would it have in our world today? That just kind of shows us even like technology, as cutting edge as it might be, it is, it's never timeless because it's always going to be replaced down through time. It's amazing. And that's the problem with trends. You know, trends can never keep up with the changing times, and they don't stand the, trest, the test of time. But there are some things that are timeless. We've been talking about a couple of those things throughout this series that they will impact our, our present, they will impact the future, and some of them on into eternity. And so what we're going to talk about today is another of those things, and I believe it has the potential to change your life. It will literally change your life in a lot of ways, but it will also change your family tree in many ways. You know, our topic today may have been an issue in your family's past for many generations. It may have been something that caused conflict and arguments and tension and even divorce. It may have affected your way of life brought a lot of sadness into your life, brought a lot of grief and misery, and sadly, even for some people, it has led them to commit suicide. That's a pretty serious thing, isn't it? And yet, on the other hand, it's something that's very curable and avoidable. And God's Word speaks to those type of major issues. And if you apply, I believe, these simple biblical principles that we're going to talk about today in your life on this topic, I think it will have a huge impact on your life and on your family. Now, what in the world could this issue possibly be? The thing we're going to talk about today is financial freedom. 
We're going to talk about financial freedom. You know, I don't know what you think about when you hear those two words together. That phrase, for some of you, those may be totally opposite words. Financials, finances and freedom may not go together. You may think you can never say them in the same sentence. Because you may be so far in debt that this seems to be impossible. In fact, it might even seem to be beyond your imagination. You might not even be able to think about that because you know there's no way that you can ever have it. And to be honest with you, I don't know about you, but when there have been times in my life when money's been a big issue and, and, I, and we've been in debt, there have been times where I just thought, you know, I know everybody knows where I'm at. I know everybody else is probably doing awesome in this, and I'm stuck here in this place. And so there's a little bit of guilt, to be honest with you, uh, that comes even bringing the subject up. You may wonder, why do we have to talk about this? Why are we dealing with it today? Let me tell you why. Because money and what you do with it is one of the biggest issues in your life. Unless you are a very unusual person, money and what you do with it is one of the biggest issues in your life. It really matters. Jesus knew that. And that's why Jesus said things like this. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So whatever it is that you are invested in, if it's an activity, a sport, if it's a, a hobby, if it's an object, you know, a boat, you know, whatever it may be, wherever your treasure is, your heart is always there. In other words, you're thinking about that a lot. You're always planning around that. A lot of your time is kind of directed around that. Jesus knew that. And since Jesus wants your heart, it's really important to him where your heart and where your focus is. And he's concerned with any competition. And you know what? Financial bondage wrecks havoc in our lives. It steals our attention. It steals our energy, our resources. It steals our peace of mind. And it also destroys relationships. And we talked about last week, we, we just talked about the fact that Jesus talked a lot about money, more about money than any other topic that he spoke about, five times more than prayer, five times more than faith. That's pretty significant because he knew the power that money would have in our life. And you know what? You would think that 2,000 years later, we might have it whipped, we might be in control, but we're really not because this issue is maybe more relevant today than it's ever been, to have peace of mind about how we deal with our money. It's really relevant today. Americans today owe $733 billion in credit card debt. $733 billion. That's a lot. Americans who have credit cards, who actually use them, have about $15,000 average in debt. Now you're going, wow, below average. It's, it's great to be below average, you know. Some of you may be going, oh, man, we're really above average. That, you know, we all know the crazy stories out there. Just be if you're not there, be glad that you're not there. But just realize that it's still, it's probably too much, whatever it is. Many, people, many of us have no idea of the exorbitant interest rate that we're being charged. You know, really, we don't want to talk a lot about that because if that's out there and we're dealing with that, we don't even want to know it. All we want to know is, okay, this is what i got to pay every month to, to keep my home from being, you know, repossessed or whatever it may be. We just want to make that. We have no idea. You know, I didn't either. The average interest rate on a, a credit card is 12 to 15 percent. You may have a better one than that. But did you know that the maximum allowable rate is 30 percent? 30 percent. Can you imagine paying 30 percent interest? And here's the thing. Let me let, let, me let you in on this. And uh, you know, this is, a lot of people don't realize this, but credit cards are designed not to do you a favor. They're not your friend. They may seem like a friend because they make life easier, but they're not really your friend. They're actually designed to keep you in debt all your, your life. 
And, and while they're saying, we're only going to make you pay a small amount right now, it's mostly going to be interest, and they want to keep you there. Really, they do. If you owe $5,000 at 11% and you make a $100 monthly payment, it will take you over five and a half years to pay it off, and you'll pay about $1,800 in interest, and that is if you don't charge anything at all in the next five years. I mean, that is a pretty heavy burden to carry there. And so we could just talk about the money side, and we could say, man, that is just, it's crazy when you think about it. It's just crazy. But you know what? It's not just the money either. It really isn't. Debt eats at our peace of mind. I don't know about you. Maybe I'm just speaking for me. But debt eats at my peace of mind. It's always in the back of my mind. It affects our, our health. It affects our relationships. In fact, financial problems are the number one reason for divorce in our world today, in our country. See, we, we believe as a church that the greatest thing that we can do for you is to give you some freedom. Wouldn't it be great? You heard me talking about, you know, the 4th of July. It's a great time to think about freedom. What we can give you as a church is freedom, primarily freedom from sin, freedom from the punishment of sin, but also freedom to experience life like God wants you to. God has some incredible principles about, about life, about relationships, about work, about everything in life, including money, that will free us up and allow us to have freedom to breathe. Freedom to breathe. And, and one of those topics is, is financial freedom. Because financial freedom affects your life every day. It will help your life be better today. It will free you up to impact the lives of others and, 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 and even beyond your life, your family and even beyond that. And for that reason, financial freedom is one that I would call timeless. Now, before I, I'm going to go on, some of you I know that are naturally skeptical. I understand that. You know, we talked about this last week and saying the church just wants my money. They want to tell me what to do with my money. And, and I know that, that honestly, um, you know, maybe you've had bad experiences. I've heard of churches. I've never been a part of one, obviously. But I've heard of churches that, that ask new members, what do you make, and then assign them money to give. That's a horrible thing to do. I don't believe that's right at all. I think all of us have probably heard and seen televangelists who ask for money, and you know, and, and you know they're living, and they've got, they got jets and living in multi-million-dollar homes, and they're asking poor people to spend money, and that, you know what, that seems really wrong and shady to us. And I understand there are people who will exploit people for money. But here's the interesting, isn't it interesting that, that nobody says that about credit card companies? Nobody ever says, you know Visa just want your money, Right? Nobody ever says, you know, Lowe's and a credit card, they just want your money, right? I mean, Lowe's is one of those companies that I could get in trouble with. I have to really guard that, you know, with Lowe's. But, but nobody says that, hey, you know, Lowe's just wants your money, right? Here's the irony about the church. The irony is that the one organization on the planet that really wants to help you with your finances the most is the one that is most often criticized as the one you can't trust. Isn't that amazing? The church wants to help because we have the truth of God's Word, and yet I think the devil's behind all of that. He's whispering in your ear, you know, the church just wants your money. But in reality, I want to tell you, we want to help you work that out because we know the burden that comes when you're struggling. And here's what I want you to know. I told you this last week when it relates to our church. A timeless truth is that our church doesn't want something from you. We want something for you. We want something for you. I would long for people to understand what the Bible has to say about the truth of handling money and relationships and everything else. You know, a couple of weeks ago, you guys were so generous and uh, uh, kind to Lori and I. We celebrated 20 years of ministry here. 
And I hope that brings me a little bit of credibility and trust. I hope you know me well enough to know, hey, Randy's really trying to help us out. He's not trying to get something from us. Uh, I hope you understand that. And I also would tell you, I've been around the block a few times. And I've seen a lot of people struggle with the issue of money. I really have. I, I've met with couples, and, and that's a big issue. I've just seen the conflict, the divorce that's come from it. You know, I've been around the block a few times, and I've made some really dumb financial decisions myself. I've made my share of mistakes, believe me. I wanted to tell you about one of them, and, and I mentioned this before, but it just, it just sticks out to me about how easy it is to get sucked in. Uh, one day we had a guy call us up, and why we did it, I do not know. Uh, but we had a guy, a salesman, come into our home to test our water. Uh, I've told you this, probably. But he's going to test our water. And so he comes in, and he's a little amateur chemist, and he sets his stuff up. We didn't have any trouble with our water. Our water was fine until this guy came in and told us how bad our water was, you know. And so through the course of the afternoon, he's showing us this stuff. And by the time he's done, we wouldn't drink that water at all. Now, why we didn't buy some bottled water, I don't know. But before the evening was over, we had purchased a premium water system. I'm telling you, we had the charcoal filter that would drain out any of those impurities. We had the chemical filter that would, you know, would kill anything else that could be in it. We had a softener because our water was so hard, it just bounced off from us, you know. It was, uh, we just, we, we bought it, and we felt really good about it for about an hour and a half, I guess. And then that evening, it began to dawn on us like, we didn't need a water filter system. We didn't need that at all. I hope you guys don't sell them because I'm sure there's people out there living in Appalachia somewhere that need a water filter, but we don't need them in, in Versailles, all right? But anyway, so we bought this thing, and we were, I was mad by the time I went to bed. And, and you know, I tried, to, I tried to call that guy, and he conveniently had three days to get out. You know, they do you give you, I guess the law demands that. I had three days, but he went on vacation for three days. How about that? So, man, I'm just sweating bullets the whole weekend. Like, we, we'll be paying on this thing for years. It was crazy. It was a crazy decision. And I mean, Monday morning at daylight, when they opened, I was sitting on the step, and I was out. I mean, I was out, and I was mad at them, and they didn't know why or anything else. Uh, but see how dumb it is? You know, you do things like that. I saved us years of of debt because we made a dumb decision, you know? So I've made my share of mistakes. I understand that. From my angle, I, I can see it both ways. But here's the other thing. I know that God's word is true. I know that God's principles are sound and they really work about money. So the goal for us today, hopefully, is to help inspire you to take a step toward financial freedom. I want to cast a vision for you. I want to cast a dream out there that maybe you've never had the courage to dream for yourself. I want to cast this out there and, and maybe help, help to change some acts in your mind, some behaviors that kind of get us into these type of issues. And I want to talk about one primary principle from the Bible. It's nothing revolutionary you've never heard before, but I really want to kind of get, make you think about this. It's really simple to understand, but it's not an easy principle to follow, especially in our modern culture, because we are bombarded every day with incredible opportunities. I don't know about you, but I get offers in the mail almost daily for me to have more and more credit. I've never, we don't even open them anymore, to be honest. But, you know, I used to open them up just to see, you know, how, how well we were doing, you know. Um, but, but we don't even open them anymore. But almost every day you get these opportunities that you can't resist to get a, another credit card. And, and in, in our culture, it's just so tempting for us to, to do that. But I think that's where we can maybe offer some sound advice, where maybe the church can step in to help a little bit here. We're going to look at seven words to see the devastating impact that this truth has on a lot of people. 
And I think if we can really understand this truth right here, then we will move toward freedom. And the Bible says you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free, right? So let's talk about freedom and the truth of God's Word. Here's the principle, really simple. It's from Proverbs 22. Again, you've heard it before. The borrower is slave to the lender. The borrower is slave to the lender. Now, that sounds strange, and you're probably thinking, well, I'm slave to nobody. I got my freedom. I do what I want. But do you really? How do you know if you're in bondage? How do you know if you're in financial bondage? Have you ever felt like that God was calling you to do something, but you could not do it because of money? God is wanting you to do this, but man, I wish we could, but no, we we can't do it because of money. I know God wants us to go on this mission. Well, we can't even. It's too much for us. We can't do it. If you've ever felt that, then maybe you're in bondage. Have you ever had blank break again? You fill in the blank, the car, the refrigerator, the the washing machine, the furnace, whatever. Ever had that break and, and you didn't have the money to fix it or buy a new one? If so, then you're probably in bondage. Have you ever thought, you know, we, I would love to get married. But no, no, we can't do that. We can't afford it. Hey, I would love to start a family. No, we can't do that. We can't afford it. I would love for my wife to stay home with the kids. No, we can't do that. We can't afford it. I would love for us to be able to give to the church. No, we just can't afford it. Love to tie. We can't afford it. If you've ever felt that way about something, then probably there's some bondage in your life. You know, a couple weeks ago or a few weeks ago, we talked about slavery a little bit in the Bible in Ephesians uh, chapter 6, I believe. We talked about slavery and how in that day in Bible times, if you owed money and you couldn't pay it, you had to be or you could be forced into slavery to the lender. Obviously and thankfully, the law is not like that today. Nobody's going to come and imprison you and make you a slave because you have debt. Um, You know, it's not the same today. But, you know, being in debt really is a type of slavery. It really is a type of slavery because you are working and serving somebody else all the time. You know, it's it's a bondage thing. I have extended family members who struggle with debt. They owe a lot of money on credit cards. They purchased a home many years ago, but they've never been able to build any equity because they keep refinancing it. And when they refi, they always add some money to it. And it just keeps growing. The debt doesn't go down. It stays the same or it gets bigger. And it's easy to owe more than your house is worth when you, whenever you do that. They fight about money. They don't trust each other. They have their money separate, which, which doesn't work in marriage normally. It puts a lot of strain on the entire family. We all worry about their, them. We worry about their future. That's the kind of bondage that we're talking about, the struggle that people have in their life. Now, all of us struggle at times with this issue, but strangely, it's often not the poor people who really get in trouble. You know, maybe you think about that. People who are poor, they don't have a lot of debt because not, people are too smart to give them the opportunity to get into debt. It's only when you really get some money that you can really get deep in debt. It doesn't make a lot of sense, but it really is true because then you have opportunity and then you have offers to get into debt. We have enough income, but we oftentimes use it foolishly and we never have enough. I love what Dave Ramsey at Financial Peace University says. He says, you know what? It's time to grow up and kind of act your wage. Act your wage. In other words, live within your means with what you have. And it's up to us to use discipline to control our spending and debt. Now, we can pray about that, and we should. But the reality is that even though God wants to help, we can't pray our way out of a financial crisis normally. We can't do that. We need to pray, definitely, but we also have to act our way out. And sometimes to act our way out of the things that are, that are really wrong that we're in, we have to get a little upset about it. We have to get angry. And some of you are going, oh, my goodness, I don't think, I don't think Christians should ever get angry about anything. No, it's not wrong to get angry about the right things. 
There were times when Jesus got really good and angry about things. He got angry about abuse. He got angry about sin, hypocrisy. He got angry, and it moved him to do the right thing. We call that righteous indignation. So if there's some things in your life, like money problems, that you need to really deal with, it's time to get angry. Don't get angry at each other, but get angry at the issue. Sometimes it's, it's right to get angry at having to pay exorbitant interest rates. You ought to get angry about that. You shouldn't just calmly accept that as reality. Get angry about it. Get tired and, and angry about working only to have to give it to somebody else because you're their slave. Get tired of letting money be your God. Be angry at, at uh, the lenders and companies who do just want your money, who, who really are manipulating you, and you have no control because you're in debt to them. Be angry at the right things. You know, I, I think that kind of angry, anger is really healthy. And I think the church, we can help you because we understand that. And we understand how biblical principles work to help us manage money and how God wants to give us wisdom to make wise decisions, strength to resist bad temptations, commitment to, to uh, excuse me, contentment with what you have at the time. And realize, too, that you may get angry and you may want to fix it today. It, you didn't get there in a day, so it probably won't be fixed in a day. But the reality is that when you start fixing it and you get really committed to it and angry about it, God can help lead you to financial freedom when you take the steps to get there. That's what I would, I would love for you to get excited about and start thinking and dreaming about. So what I want to do this morning is challenge you, and I want to kind of give you a, a simple plan that you can use to maybe get your financial house in order. Just a really simple outline here that is really, really helpful that, that, I, that, that I think is, it will work for anybody, especially young, young couples just beginning. This would be a great way to set your, your life pattern of spending your money. That's going to require something from you. It's going to require some sacrifice, some self-discipline. It's going to require reordering your priorities more than likely. And it's also going to require some trust in God because remember last week we talked about uh, what giving is all about and how God, much 10% of what we have already belongs to God. But here's what the plan looks like. It has three parts, give, save, and live. Give, save, and live. Those are the three bullets in what we need to be doing when we think about money. So, so here's the breakdown we talked about last week. Give 10%, save 10%, and live on 80%. Now, if we could just do that, I think we would really be a lot better off. Now, I think this may flex for some people. We talked about last week that uh, in, in our lives, if we're, we're giving and serving and God's blessing us more than we need to live on, then maybe we give more, maybe we save more, whatever it may be. Understand also, this is not a quick fix. It's a long-term plan. But you can get there, and we want to help you do that. And so there's two things we're going to be offering coming up in the next few months. Um, every year in... Um, January, we offer a study called Financial Peace University. And it's a great study. It's a really practical, you know, nuts and bolts type of study there that you can just spend time and build out a budget and learn about investments and everything else. That's a, it's a great way to think about your finances. And that'll be offered in January. But we're going to do another thing in September. Uh, we're going to offer a study entitled God Owns It All. And this is a more, we'll, we'll give you some more information. We'll get a little bit closer. But it's a six week study. The, just about an uh, overview of how to manage your finances, what the Bible has to say about them. So I want to encourage you to think about that. you got some time to start planning and, uh, and cut some time out to do that. But those two th resources could really help you out. It could be your first step to financial freedom. Because I would tell you, uh, and I've been honest with you before, I've been in both situations. I've been in consumer debt. I've been out. I want to tell you, out is a whole lot better. 
It's a whole lot better way to live life. So I just want to encourage you in that. But I think the whole idea is, is like, it's like anything else. We need to have some education, and we need motivation as well. Brad Hewitt, uh, Hewitt of Thrivent, excuse me, Brad Hewitt of Thrivent Financial uh, talks about our money mindset, uh, which is kind of a new thought for me. And he's identified five attitudes about money. Number one is surviving. And, and that's where people are drained, they're tapped out, uh, they have little sense of hope. That's just surviving. The second one is struggling. Struggling is that you're strapped in the present and you're anxious about the future. Stable is you're feeling okay, but you're hoping for more. Secure, you're mostly confident. And surplus, you're feeling grateful and ready to share. The five levels of a money mindset. And I, maybe as we ran through those five real quick, you identified where you were. And, and let me just tell you this. A lot of people would say, well, you know, if I were making more money, I would be at surplus. I would feel confident and, and ready to share. But the reality of, of it is that it's not dependent on how much you have because someone who has a very modest income can feel secure and have a surplus attitude. It's not about how much you have. It's really how you think about what you've been given. So I want to challenge you to think about and maybe change your money mindset, how you view that. We can talk about that later, but I, I thought that was a really good way to look at that. Now, there's one other element that I want to give you before we close up, and I think is essential to our success, and that is God's help. It is God's help. It's inviting God to be a part of this. You know, so many times we kind of, I said last week, we, we trust God with our soul, but we don't trust God with our money. And we don't ever let God, we don't ever think about God maybe helping us out. You know, how often do we pray about God helping us manage them? I don't know about you, but, but there have been times when I just prayed when I was in crisis, God help me. Instead of saying, God help me to manage what I have, I was like, God bail me out of the problem I'm in. So understand that, that God wants to be a part of this. God can um, help us make wise decisions. God can give us courage and boldness. God can lead us to use one of our greatest resources or our biggest struggle, money, in, in either wise ways or if we choose not to in very foolish ways. So let me leave you with a couple, three questions here that are very probing. And these, these are questions, I don't care where you are in your money mindset or, or where you're at financially. These are, these are questions that should make us all think. Number one, do you think that God approves of how you're spending your money? Does God approve of that? You know, last week, if you were here, we used the, little, the cute little video, God's Pies, and we said that God brings the pie, and he delivers it, and we chop it up and decide what we do with it, you know. How do you think God feels about how you're spending your money right now? The second question is, what could you do if you were not in debt? What could you do if you were not in debt? If you can dream and, and have that vision, what could you do? And thirdly, where are you going to be financially in three years? In three years. And I pushed that out three years. You could push it further than that. But, but let me just encourage you. I think a lot of people, you know, we don't think very far in advance about issues like this. We think about today, it's kind of instant gratification. But think about three years. And most people, I would say, possibly could be out of debt in three years, save for the mortgage on their home, which could be possible for you as well. But, but what if that's all you had? What if that's all you had? But what if in three years you were totally debt free? And, uh, and where will you be? Some of us may still be in debt. You may be in debt right where you are. Because I will tell you that if you're making minimum payments on a credit card debt, you're probably pretty much going to be right where you are if you haven't changed your habits and you haven't stopped charging at least. Maybe you're going to be right where you are now. Maybe you could, you're going to be deeper in debt. You know, I read the other day that Americans 
spend about $1.22 for every dollar they make. Doesn't take long to figure out. After a while, that catches up with you. You can't spend more than you make. So for a lot of people, if you don't change, you're going to be in deeper debt debt in three years than you are today. Or on the other hand, maybe if you put some things into place, and and this is where uh, a couple of the ministries I spoke of can really help you, and and maybe three years you literally could be debt-free. Debt-free. That would be a great place to be and, and poised to do exactly what God would call you to do. Now, let me talk to those of you real quick who are already experiencing financial freedom. Because maybe you're sitting there and you're just nodding and you're knowing, man, you know, this is truth, every bit of it. But maybe you're a little bit smug about that. You know, maybe because a lot of times once we get caught up and now we don't have to borrow, we're still spending everything that we have. You know, we're, we're just not behind. We're just breaking even all the time. And let me just, let me challenge you on this. And let me ask you, are you giving to God like you should? Like God is calling you to do so? Are you tithing? Are you going beyond the tithe? Are you experiencing God's blessing because of that? Are you investing in God's kingdom? And uh, if you were here, weren't here last week, I would encourage you maybe to get online and listen to that message about giving because it was convicting to all of us, in- including myself. So uh, let me challenge you on that. And then the other question is, are you hoarding now, which is the other sin in finances? One of the sin, I believe, is in spending more than we make and than we should, but the other one is maybe hoarding and being greedy and not being generous like God has called us to be. Well, let me go back to this to wrap up, you know. Nothing wrong with this, having a phone. Um, I couldn't afford a phone like this. Mine was even more primitive uh, back in the day. It looked like a little brick and didn't even flip. Uh, It was really not a nice phone at all, but, but maybe that you do follow the trends. There's nothing wrong with that. I'm not saying it's wrong to have a phone, even a smartphone today. But there is something wrong when it puts you in financial bondage. It is something wrong when you just can't afford these things. Financial freedom is something that God really wants for you, and, and we do as well. And whenever you achieve that, it will lead to incredible value, peace of mind, and that's why I wanted to talk about it in this series about timeless. And here's the thing. If you don't do this for yourself, would you do it for your children? Because this is a generational thing. We oftentimes look at our parents and we assume, oh, that's just what it's like. You know, we can't wait to get our own job and get in debt ourselves you know, to have some things, just be just like our parents. And it's, it's crazy. So why not set the example and cast a vision for yourself and for others as well? Will it be hard? You bet you it will. Will it be a battle? It'll be a daily battle in dealing with resisting temptation. It may even be a battle with, with your family, your spouse sometimes. People don't always agree on this. Some of you are going to walk out of here. You're going to be fired up. You're going to turn to your spouse. Let's do it. And the other's going to go, I don't know if I'm ready yet, you know. I know that, you know. Uh, don't go to battle. Uh, if you're feeling some resistance, you know, start praying about it and start working on your end instead of getting, uh, I don't want a bunch of people fighting driving down Hope Lane this morning. That's uh, uh, not a good way to drive down Hope Lane. Um, but you know what? It's a battle that, that is worth us dealing with and talking about. And here's the thing. Our Heavenly Father wants to fight with us. He wants to be on our side. He's on our team, and He wants to help us through this journey, and we do too. Uh, we don't want something from you. We want something for you. That, that want to cast that vision of hope, what God can do in your life. And here's the, here's the biggest thing, guys. I just want to encourage you to know that we cannot do these things alone. We can't live a life of faithfulness. We can't have great relationships and marriages. We can't be great employees. We can't balance our time well. We can't use our money wisely alone. We need God's wisdom. We need Jesus in our life to help us do that. 
And so if you have not made a decision for him, that's the greatest issue. The gospel is all about good news, great news that Jesus saves and gives us hope and freedom. And as we celebrate on Tuesday, would you just think about the freedom that you have in Jesus Christ? And if you want to talk about that, you can catch me later. I'd love to do so. Let's pray as we wrap up. Father, thank you for this day. God, thank you that we have so many freedoms in this world. God, sometimes even the freedom that we have is freedom that gets us in trouble. And Lord, we in, in this nation at this time, we're so blessed financially that we can really get ourselves in a lot of trouble quickly. God, I pray you'll help us to use wisdom and discernment in all things. God, I pray that if we're in situations right now that we can improve. We would have the courage to do that with your power and with your spirit, asking for your direction and your, your discernment and your strength to resist temptations that are wrong, whatever they may be. Lord, all of this, we know that you are working to make us more than conquerors, making us victorious. God, we love you and we worship you. We ask these things in Christ's name. Amen.